0: An unpacking of the kingdom of heaven. We let, let me let me back up for a second. How many of you work in construction? I, you know, when you go to a job site, it probably takes you an hour or half an hour to set up. If you're if it's a significant job, you have to unpack your tools. You have to set up your uh, your uh, templates for whatever you're doing. And you know, before you get even the first bit of work done, there's this assembling. What if I told you that as we're worshiping, we're inviting God's angels to come into this room and begin to set up his equipment for the advance of the kingdom of God? And what if it took more than 10 minutes? What if it took an hour just to set up the equipment? Imagine the disappointment of the angels who are so excited about, hey, we're going to get a chance to to release kingdom things, to see the mechanic, mechanics of uh, the heaven begin to unfold here, and just as they all get set up, we shut it down because <laughs> that's we don't see that realm. We see th- th- we're looking through a glass darkly. We don't know really what we're doing, but we they barely get set up. We start to engage the powers of the age to come, and then we're, we've reached our max already, and we've got to un- we got to pack it all up. So, Father, give us a tenacity, give us an awareness that real things are happening, that real lives are being changed, that advances in the kingdom of God happen every time we speak the word of the Lord, that there is healing, there is deliverance, there is an atmosphere, there is a breaking out in this community of angelic movement that stifles the advance of the kingdom of darkness every time that light is released father may we advance this morning with conviction and faith and sensitivity to what it is you want to do this morning and everybody said amen so many things happening at the same time in this room But one of the things that's being released is the Lord is releasing a comfort to those who mourn. The Spirit of God is releasing an oil of healing and restoration for those who mourn. And whether you're in the room right now or whether you're watching online or whether you're watching tomorrow via a video... There is something to be accessed. Great are you, Lord. Father, we say, let the comfort that you promise for those that mourn, let it come down like a blanket. Let the broken-hearted feel the divine mending divine reconstruction let the release there continues to be a flow I see it running down like fresh and old wounds alike the oil is running in to the scarred crevices of wounds even those that seem to be under construction but it's like some of the construction, some of the, some of the protections around our wounds are born of self-preservation, and they're they're humanly fabricated guards and borders that keep people at a distance from our pain. But there's never any restoration if all you have is barriers to your pain. So let the lo- the oil flow right now, deep, deep. Because it comes with a knowledge. It comes with a knowledge of the Father who sends the healing, who sends the oil. And one of the other things that's happening when the dancers begin to assume a position of, of, of uh, intercession, they were beginning to break through something. I want you to know, that, that breakthrough is very real. The breakthrough is very real. Jesus marveled at the faith of the centurion when he said that Jesus didn't have to come to his house to heal him. He, he said, listen, I understand that the nature of your authority is such that it crosses the boundaries of space and time. And that you don't need to be right there when it happens. And Jesus marveled because he had never seen faith like this. But this is what he had intended to bring his disciples into in the future. To understand these things. That when you do something in one moment, it affects another moment and another place. And to be liberated from the tyranny of the immediate and of the natural world around us releases us into a domain of authority in the kingdom of god to know that we're not just doing things that are signs of our devotion but they're actually part of the labor that advances the kingdom of god when elijah says to ahab get down because i hear the sound of the abundance the rain there was no rain in sight and so he gets on his knees and he begins contending and to those who don't understand they think it's just again a sign of ceremonial liturgical devotion it's a it's an honoring and no it isn't he's actually contending for the breakthrough the correlation between him being on his knees and pressing through is resulting in the inevitable breakthrough that he prophesied there is a connection between it's not just symbolism it's not just symbolism. And so we come together and we worship. And this morning there began to be a response. But we could have uh, we, we, we we could have spent hours going into this and contending. Why? Because God is looking for intercessors and prophetic people to break through on behalf on behalf of the kingdom. Now one of the things that's happening is we are being used by the Lord in this moment to affect colossal outcomes, not just us, but the bandwidth of our faith knit together with the bandwidth of the church down the road and the church across the city and the churches in Calgary any place and anywhere God is drawing from it's like it's like a, a computer system that draws the computing power from, from a network of other computers to accomplish one singular goal but if we don't see it if we don't think it really matters then we can't even participate but listen, listen to this it's a vision that Rick Ridings has had. He says, I saw a queen spider seated on a throne with Babylon written on her crown. Her throne her throne was on a flying carpet that was made up of hu- a huge number of spider webs of evil systems that had been tightly woven together. She had a scornful, jeering, defiant expression on her face. But as intercessors began to cry out for justice upon the earth, the Lion of Judah came down from his throne above it all. He took his claw and pulled on the carpet on the western side and it began to quickly unravel. As her web of evil systems began to unravel on the west, the Queen of Babylon, Spider, tried to desperately hold it together. But then the Lion of Judah took his claw and began to unravel the evil systems in the Far East. Then to the north of the globe and then to the south. Then a loud voice proclaimed, Now, 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 now has begun the great setback and the great unraveling. The queen, Babylon's spider, tried desperately to stop it, but she could not. As the Lion of Judah roared, her throne was severely shaken, and her evil plans were severely set back. Then golden doors above the Lion of Judah opened in each direction. A mighty angel flew in every direction with a silver trumpet announcing great redemption and harvest. So we declare, Father, that you are gathering the declarations and the faith and the intercessions of the saints. Lord, you are gathering from the strength of even the martyrs that cry continuously from underneath the throne of God that say, when, O Lord, when, O Lord, will justice be, be released upon the earth and upon the enemies of righteousness? Father, we say in Canada, We say in Alberta, let the voices, let the voices that bring darkness and bondage and blindness, let them be torn down in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let the darkness be scattered. Let the systems of deception be broken in this nation. Righteousness. Father, we say thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be a part of the labor to fulfill your desires, to hear the sound of heaven. When you cry out, who will go for us? Who will I send? Who will stand in the gap? Who will be my voice and my hands extended to the poor and to the brokenhearted and to the lost? Father, we say thank you, Father, that you have chosen us, the weak, the small. The foolish to be part of this thing. And everybody said Amen. 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 Amen.
1: Wow, so many
0: so many things we could feed into. I'm excited, honestly. I, I'm delighted. Last week I think i I think I mentioned it here. I've mentioned it a couple of times in the last few weeks. It's the problem with my 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 lack of clarity. Sometimes I I say things, but I don't remember who I say them to. I understand that that's going to get worse. <laughs> uh, I, I I pray it doesn't, but uh, I'm I'm not above the uh, um, the natural. Order of things uh, I'm not as strong as I used to be I think there's provision i'm not sure, i just not sure I have the faith for it so God help me yeah. but here's here's the thing I mentioned last week as I said I believe that we were doing this event in in Abbotsford and the event is op- was called open the gates and and uh, there's two things you do in church you either Advance the kingdom, or you talk about advancing the kingdom. You teach about advancing the kingdom. You train about advancing the kingdom. Both are needed. Make no mistake, both are needed. But the rarest part is the actual advancing the kingdom part. And and because it has to do with the capacity uh, to to believe, a capacity to engage, to be part of. And so this is why Jesus was always excited. When he saw real-time faith, when he, when he saw a faith that released, that was active, that that enabled the principles of the kingdom of God to work in an abnormally significant way. and so God was always looking for vehicles, vessels who will express that kind of faith so that we can, uh, you know we can experience, we can be a part of that. But there's an ebb and flow because what happens is we reach our capacity. It's not unlike a mother who's engaging her children to help. You know, and I was just walking by a mother the other day at Walmart, and she had her four-year-old standing up on the cart, and he was lifting, you know, things and passing them to mommy. And uh, as as a mommy does, it's like, oh, well, you're such a great little helper, <laughs> you know? And it's, uh, and of course, you know, those words resonate with such delight in the heart of anybody who wants to feel useful. And, uh, but, you know, so so mothers are always, and fathers are always trying to engage our children to be a part of things increasingly significant, but we are tethered by the fact that that the limitations of our children to focus or to stay with a job are, are significant. You know, you go, you say, go clean up your room and suddenly you hear, you know, video games or some kind of fun things happening and you go up and the room is still not cleaned and it's like the kid's kind of like deer in the headlights You know, when you say, what are you doing? Uh, I, I remember vaguely I was supposed to be doing something. <laughs> <laughs> because the disengagement is often in continuous, it seems. It's a picture of the limitations of spiritual children that God has. God is engaged in things with a capacity unfathomably beyond. Anything that we can ask or think. And so it's not it should not be surprising to us. It should not be a demotion or a condemnation or, or disillusioning to us to know that we have limited capacity to engage, participate, and add to uh, the work that he's doing. Can you say amen? amen? And, you know, make a decision right now. I'm not going to be f- feel condemned about that anymore. I realize that that's always going to be the case. Can you just say that right now? I'm not going to be condemned about that anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to decide that I want to be used for more. Right? So each time, you know, and kids are that way, they're not generally, you know, completely undone by the fact that mom says, hey, or dad says, hey, I told you to pick up those toys. Oh, yeah, right. I'll do that. So their, their identity is not rocked by that reality. Neither should ours be. Right? But... Nevertheless, sometimes it happens. Uh, now, I wanted to talk about a couple of things this morning, except that uh, so many wonderful things popped up during the worship that I, I'd love to address, you know, because they're, they're important. Um, the first of which is this, because we need to understand that there's, a, there's an anatomy to our escalation, to our ascent up the mountain of God. And the reality is many things keep us from ascending faster and higher to engage in these things and so um but you know let me, let me say I'm, I'm not at all disappointed in fact i'm excited this morning because i thought the equity of faith in the room was significant and uh and i love that and uh it it does speak well of us you know it does speak well of the work of god that he's doing in our midst uh, but along the way we're discerning what are the things that are stumbling us? What are, where are we set back? What, what are the hurdles that we have to jump over on our way to becoming effective? Now, some of these apply to some more than others, but this morning, for example, I was wrestling in my spirit with, a, with, a, with something that was happening in the room, and uh, this is not uncommon. This happens all the time, But as we began to sing, and I think, I don't know if it was the words in the song, but we began to sing, we lift you high. You remember when we began to sing that? We lift you high. Now, let me explain how the enemy works. The enemy does not want us to advance. The enemy, and in fact, if you look at the Bible and all of the physical military battles that happen, they are all representative of, of a spiritual reality that happens and uh, in, in in spiritual warfare, that the things that confuse the Israelites or, on the other hand, confuse the Edomites or whoever else, Mount Seir coming up against Israel, you know, those things that happen on either side are symptomatic of what happens every time there's a spiritual battle because the enemy's always trying to do the same thing. I want to stop you from moving forward. I want to paralyze you. I want to hinder you. I want to put hurdles in your way. And as we understand that these things are indeed hurdles, we start to get to, to the ability to just kind of, hurt, you know, jump over them, get right past them, run through a troop, jump over a wall. right? These, this language is, is not there by accident. It's there purposely because it represents something. But when, I, when we began to sing, we lift you high. I heard the dissonance of an accusing voice that began to pick apart the theology of that statement. Okay? And it's it's like somebody, in somebody's mind, the words thought, well, you don't have the ability to lift him high. He is is high. And, uh, And this disconnect between... What God is perpetually because of who he is versus how he is recognized in the earth becomes a a means of bringing confusion. Let me tell you, we're not changing the reality of who God is in heaven when we say we lift you high, nor do we imagine we are doing so. (laughs) You know, that is a non-starter, a non-issue. But the enemy brings that dissonance and that confusion to create division in our ranks because what happens is what follows is a, a mm, cascade of confused, disengaged thinking. Yeah, right. You know, that's what happens because then all of a sudden somebody's starting, and this is what happened with Jesus. Like, you know, every time he said something, somebody said, well, the, the Bible says... And Jesus like, yeah, you don't understand the Bible, first of all. You know, you cross your T's, dot your I's kind of people. You you know, you swallow a camel hole and choke at a gnat. You don't understand anything about the, the Scripture. You know, but, but that same scenario that happened as Jesus is trying to bring people into a revelation of something happens in rooms like this every time. You know, and I keep saying... I would love, I would love if a screen was available above everybody's head and I could see exactly what you're thinking. (laughs) A lot of shaking heads, no thanks, no please, no. (laughs) Right? Uh, (laughs) Let me tell you, there is a screen above your head. (laughs) And it it is clearly seen by many partially seen by me okay but this is what talked about when jesus knew their hearts and he knew their thoughts right because the spirit of revelation the holy spirit was making these things known to him and i just I, i debated whether i should even address this today but i here's what i want i want I want you to be generous in your assessment of other people's theology when we're singing simple phrases because it's stunning how quickly we can stumble over things that people are not meaning or saying. And uh, and what happens the net effect is you are immobilized objecting to a theology that is not being even announced or proclaimed. Right. And it's, and and it's it's like these people don't understand the scripture, and it you know it, it it happens so continuously. I can't tell you how many hundreds of conversations I've had with people after I shared a message. who are mad at me, you know, and uh, until they realized what I didn't say, <laughs> you know. But then you know sometimes pride is such that they still are mad because. They're Sure, I did mean that, and I have a bad theology, and probably I'm going to hell. <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, so, Father, bless us, Lord. Thank you for the building. Thank you for the, 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 the journey here. Now, let me pause. i uh, uh, touch on one more thing. When the intercessors, maybe you're sitting and watching online, you saw the dancers, and you're thinking, I don't understand what this is all about. Ah gosh we could talk a lot about that and I would love to I'm writing a chapter in in the second volume right now of of Metaspheres and I'm talking about the mindset of the religious and the disconnect between uh you know the what what is really happening in a room and the theology or the liturgy that's represented and the the problem with with religious people is they have a natural mindset and they don't understand that Things are being advanced by action. That, that when we dance, like when we praise, like when we clap our hands, like when we shout, like when we strike the ground, like when we, we release our spirit and faith and even uh, do a bodily movement, something real is transpiring in the spirit realm. Something is always happening when you praise the Lord. <laughs> right? Right? Something is always happening, uh, but but uh, what I was excited about to, was to see the team go into this intercession, and then I was I, I thought right away I thought I thought others need to join this, yeah. first thing, so I thought I was gonna you know start moving around and maybe pulling on people and I thought no don't do it, wait to see who goes up. And uh, so, you know, Galen was the first one that went up, and then others followed. And, and uh, the reason why I'm pointing this out, this out is because we need, we, we're not just here to do theoretical things. We're here to do real things. And the ability to know that this is real and then to respond to it and engage and boldly go in is a part of the battle itself. Because to do that, to do everything the dancers are doing or the people on stage are doing, it takes humility. It takes, because you are risking every time. You're risking the condemnation, the judgment, the the, uh, the, the uh, uh, sullying of your soul by people who don't understand, who are ridiculing and calling it foolish and unnecessary and empty. Every time you step out and do something, you're risking that. And but, hey, that's what we're called to. We're called to risk and do things that might be foolish, and not even necessarily thinking, "No, this is the Lord, but just do it in case it's the Lord, in order to find out what is the Lord." Like that's the courage that comes that allows you to venture. Well, we're, now we're trying to create an atmosphere in this house that allows us to venture, that allows us to even do it wrong. You know, because there's no guarantee that just because it's done here, that it's therefore perfectly sanctioned. No, we don't know. We see in part, but we're venturing. Okay, so just because it happens doesn't mean it's perfect. But just because, uh, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll we'll go on from there. But I remember a time we were... We are doing a, in another nation, we were doing a meeting like this, but it was about a collection, about 30 leaders. Uh, but it was a kind of a stiff sort of carefulness in the atmosphere where, like, you had to be careful. You didn't do anything because there's a lot of opinions about the right way to do a meeting. You know, every meeting, there's a lot of opinions about the right way to do it. And let me tell you, I've heard them all. And, uh, and again, it's not that we do it right every time. But it's a lot easier to sit back and say the quarterback should have thrown that ball than to know how to do it in the moment, right? Uh, he ran to the left. Didn't he see that it was wide open to the right and he had three blockers? Yeah, after the fourth review, and you know, anybody could see that. And so in real time, we are venturing. Well, what happened at one moment is like this morning, there was an opening. It felt like there was an opening in the spirit and one of our prophetic intercessors went to the middle of the room and got down and I, I can't remember what she did, but and, and, uh, next thing you know, four or five people had gathered around her and you could feel this momenting opening, opening up. And I, I just sort of grabbed the mic just to reinforce what was happening. And next thing I looked down and they were gone. That, that all kind of scurried back to their seats because the intimidation in the room and uh, and the sense of uh, feeling you know when you, when you 're venturing and doing something, and the voices in the room right whether they 're actual whether they 're literally minds in the room that are saying. Who are you? This is not illegitimate. Who told this is not your meeting? What are you doing? You're taking up too much space. You look silly on the ground like that. All of those intimidating voices, right? And in this nation, they're particularly strong because of the religious spirit. So these people, you know, they couldn't handle the barrage and quickly went back and I kind of where'd you guys go? And what happened is what was opening up. Closed yeah and so so we're all growing we're developing skills on how to be a part of the advancement of the kingdom of heaven through prayer and intercession and prophetic act. Yeah. And preaching and teaching, all those things, we're going into a reality where a people who know how to praise God, how to lift up their voice, how to serve him with gladness, uh, who carry his heart, are going to run over every single Stronghold of the enemy and every place where darkness rules is going to be lit up with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord because of people who have humbled themselves and chosen to do the foolish things and been obedient even when it was uncomfortable perfected a response of faith that enabled them to be the vehicles that God was using to change the earth. And we have the option to be a part of that. We have the option to be at the front edge of that. Yes. Sounds like sounds like a good thing? Yes. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. All right. So none of that was my message. <laughs> That's not even the forward, is it? But uh so I'm I'm blessed, I'm excited because you know some of the some of the things that were we're, we're able to step into in this province are built upon every single moment of obedience when you are really bearing your cross. Yeah. Like when you do what's uncomfortable because you think it might be God, it, you're bearing your cross. Yeah. Even if you do it wrong, yeah. and I come up to you afterwards and say, that was out of left field. <laughs> it was, that was important. Correction. Is it just as important as affirmation? Yeah, that's true. right? So uh, Father, thank you, Lord, that you're raising up a people. So I'm going to spend a few minutes sharing some uh, some some ideas, but this morning, uh, oh wait, let let's dial back. One other thing, one other thing that uh, that that prophetic word about the queen Babylon and the webs. Let me tell you, these webs are seriously real, yeah. Yeah. all right? They are seriously real, and, uh, and they're more common than we know. Well, it just so happened, and this, this vision of Rick Riding's been on my heart for a number of weeks because it, I believe it's a significant revelation, and it's about one, something we're contending for. Now, I know the, sometimes we don't understand how this works, and we think, well, you know, isn't it done? Isn't the fact that it was given as a prophetic word, doesn't that mean it's over? Uh, No, we are like in a sci-fi movie where the resilient enemy keeps getting up, you know, and he needs to be hit again and again and again. And so, so there are levels to this, and God is pulling. See, this is the way that God can do. God can can take fragmented portions of what's necessary for breakthrough and collect it all in a jar, so to speak, to cause it to be realized in a, at a future time. Like, you know, it talks about the bowls in heaven that are being filled with the incense, which is the prayer and tears of the saints, I think it says, something along that line, right? Remember? And is this not if you read the Bible? <laughs> so, so this is the way God works that 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 moments that contribute to breakthrough, even though there's a sense that they are realized in the moment, they are not fully realized in reality and so and so but they're being collected in in a way that adds to it. It's like this is a massive 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 project that has parts to it and And, uh, you know, we're building pieces and they're waiting to be put in place, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But um, so this thing that that the Lord is doing to break the powers of darkness, it's not just the queen of Babylon. It's all the principalities and powers on the face of the earth. He's training us to overcome them. And we don't overcome them by knowing in theory that we have authority to overcome them. We overcome them because we actually walk in the obedience of faith and authority of the king that sees them overcome. And there's a vast difference between those two things. But uh, I was watching yesterday a video of a testimony of somebody who had been taken into heaven, and the Lord had walked into hell with her. And one of the things that she had seen as they were walking I can't remember all the details, but she got, there was spider webs everywhere. There was these, you know, the, these these webs, the place was thick with webs, and she got some on her shoulder. And when she stopped, she saw it, she wiped it off. And the Lord later said to her, it was wisdom that you wipe that off because the, these webs come from the breath of hatred Emanating from demonic powers, and uh, and so uh, the, in other words, you know things affect can affect us that are very real in the spirit realm, and all day long, all day long, as you go out into the world, you can encounter the hot breath of hatred that brings a defiling to you, but the victory is this that you have the means to divest yourself of any of these encumbrances any of these things that can defile you can step past them but every time you're talking to somebody and they're operating from from bitterness it it releases a substance that can affect your mindset and your attitude towards in fact let me just say this there is a scenario here recently where uh, I won't describe this scenario but uh, somebody had come and shared. I don't know if it's true or not, but it was somebody I respected about another leader, and uh, and as as events around that other leader's life have transpired, I've been affected by what they said about that person, and I and 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 even the and the problem is I don't even know if it's true, right. you know, uh, and yet it's it's affected my attitude toward them. And here's what happens, is when somebody whispers to you, and I see this all the time in Christian circles around leaders, the political spirit in leadership arenas is such that people don't want to have to carry the, what do you call it, the debts of others. So what happens is when somebody says to you, I'm not sure about that guy, then the tendency is to not want to identify with that guy when that guy's around right it even happened in the bible peter right peter was a, in the words of paul peter was carried away with the hypocrisy of of the jews in jerusalem Because there was voices politically that were saying, no, we need to distance ourselves from the Gentiles and have little to do, unless, only under these circumstances. So when Paul came to the assembly of the believers, they were divided, and the Gentiles were left alone by themselves while the Jewish apostles had gathered and would not associate in the meeting, (laughs) right? And so what is that? The effect of voices and speaking, spiritual slime that defiles us, yes. affects our mindset, causes us to not want to identify with somebody. So now, what, what, why am I saying this? All of that stuff is real. Yes. All of it affects every... It comes sometimes in most in conversations you have no idea about with people that are generally nice people. But let me tell you, I have baggage. Ben has even more. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, we all have baggage. We all have things. And, and it's God's grace that he even can use us, right? So nobody's pretending to be perfect. We are venturing. We do not consider that we've arrived, that we have attained to the resurrection, but we are leaning into those things continuously with a realization that there's things that God wants to deal with our hearts about. But the warfare is real because, because the spider's web or whatever kind of weaponry the, the enemy has, it's there. But on the other side, here's the beauty. It can be wiped away. Yeah. It can be undone. Yes. It can be broken. We can overcome. We yeah. can come above. We can be free. Yeah. And what we're learning to do is to walk in the victory that we have. Yeah. And these are the words that Paul used. He said, inasmuch as we have attained, let us so walk. I believe it's in Philippians. But uh, you know the Bible. You'll know exactly where that is. (laughs) Right? To the degree that we've attained, let us so walk. And I'll use that to seamlessly bridge into my message. <laughs> because because we are on a journey where we're literally attaining to things that the there there's there are things that we access gradually through the experience and through the growth of our faith and through the deliverance that we get from the presence of God and from being in the body and being a part of these kinds of meetings, something is added to us and we get the opportunity to participate in more than we did before. The net effect of that is we're not all drinking exactly the same Kool-Aid, right? We're not drinking the same amounts. We're not, you know, that some people are accessing things that you are not. Now, this is a problem to a lot of people. In fact, I just was talking this week, I met with somebody who was uh, inviting me to an event, and and they said, yeah, the only person who really didn't like you (laughs) last time was this person. Anyway, and they they they're telling me why they didn't like me. And they didn't like me because I was intimating that some people had more things than others that that somehow was shockingly unbiblical. And I think to myself, what Bible are you reading? <laughs> right? Because everywhere in the scripture, the, the contrast between those that have and those that do not have, it's constant. The, 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 uh, the fact that, you know, some are getting 10 cities and some are getting one or some are getting none. You know, it has to do with spheres of authority that are being given to those, those who have attained. Oh, no, everything's by grace. Yes, your ability to attain is by grace. And some people are using that grace more than others. But grace is not permission to do anything and everything. Grace is the power to step into a role and a function that God has for you. And if somebody steps into that function and you don't, guess what? They get the reward of that stepping in and you don't. Get comfortable with that. You know, heaven is not this blissful socialistic system where everybody has the same. The kingdom of heaven is not equality of outcomes for everyone. I'm boring from a political language because... Our, our, our spiritual ideologies trickle down into political ideologies. Some are darker than others. And the idea that heaven is this place of uniform reward is absolutely ungodly. It's a doctrine of demons that's meant to immobilize us. It's meant to actually steal from our ability to honor those who have attained and walking, are walking in more, and it nullifies our sense of commitment to even walk in what it is that we've been given. Yeah. There is nothing of that kind of equality in heaven except this, everything is obtained by the mercy of, By the grace of God. But the grace of God is a power. The grace is a power. The Greek word is charis. Charis. We called our daughter Tiffany charis. Brisebois. It's grace. Tiffany being a gift. Uh, grace grace the word charismata comes from the root word charis which has to do with grace in other words the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in terms of the the gifts of the Spirit happen through the agency or through the root of grace everything is grace even so some of us operate in more grace than others so let's get used to it Amen? Amen. amen now I've got Four sentences down here. That's my sermon. And words of a song. I heard, while we were in prayer this morning, I I, I was thinking about some things uh, for the last couple of days, but I heard these words. Chains we cannot see. Chains we cannot see. There are chains in our lives we cannot see. Now, Once you reach a certain age, you start to get to the place where you're comfortable with the chains that you've been released from. And uh, the tendency is, you know, I fit in pretty good. And you start to slow down in terms of your acquisition of freedom. You start to slow down in terms of allowing God to identify the chains you still cannot see. But our goal here as believers is to get rid of every single chain that I cannot see. And uh, I pray that we all do that. But here's here's the words of Keith Green's song. I can't remember the name. I had it, but I didn't copy it. I wrestle not with flesh and blood. My fight is with the one who lost the keys of hell and death to God's most precious son. One sleepless night of anguished prayer, I triumphed over sin. One battle in the holy war, God promised me to win. Amen. I'm asking once again, won't you help me, my friend, Lord Jesus? Holy Lord's Spirit, set us free from chains we cannot see. Come, release us. Father, this morning, I pray that you would increase our appetite for being set free from chains we cannot see. Father, we revel in the plateaus of accomplishment and deliverance and freedom that we come in. We honor you for the things that we've already attained unto, the things that have been given to us, the things that have been made available. We don't diminish them whatsoever, but we say, Lord, fix our eyes on yet the land, on yet what is lying before us. I pray in Jesus' name. Now, last week... Uh, got to hurry this up. Last week, I shared a message. The essence of it was this. Uh, we need to understand what it is we're peddling. We need to understand that, you know, how do you measure success in the kingdom of God? How do you know... You know, when God is looking at the advance, because there's so many parts, it's like you go to a large company, and there's so much activity, uh, you know, how do you measure whether any of this activity is fruitful? A lot of activity, but if, unless you know what you're looking for, you don't even know if anything's adding to the bottom end, right? Right? But if you really know what what product you're producing and what causes the increase of this company or the advancement of this company, you're better in a place to figure out what energy is being wasted and what isn't. And so the message last week was basically to say this, that we are peddling living water. That the kingdom, the advancement of the kingdom is in how much living water is flowing through us. Now, living water is actually literally, you know, we talk about it in terms of when you, when the promise of John 7, when, you, when the Spirit comes and you pray in tongues and you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, that is the, the rivers of living water that begin to flow up from you. But it's not limited to just what you do when you're praying or speaking in tongues. The truth is every time, you do or say something that's initiated by the Spirit of God. Yeah. You are ministering yeah. living water to people. That's right. And that's where it gets a little hard. Because sometimes we, we like the comfort of doing things that are good, even if they're not good. Let me say, I want to divide between beneficial and good. Right? And the story I gave last week was, uh, or many times, about that time being in a position of shame and guilt around my own lack of Christian success, giving away my last $5. That giving away the last $5 was beneficial to the guy that I gave it away to. But it did nothing to increase the kingdom. Because the catalyst, what I ministered, was out of my shame and guilt. In other words, I was trying to improve my situation, my status before the Lord. I was trying to alleviate my guilt and my shame by doing something motivated by that thing. Yeah. One of the principles of the kingdom of God is everything produces after its own kind. Oh? Everything produces after its own kind. And you can't get living water from mud. You can't get living water from cesspool. You can't, you know, the the source matters. And so what God is trying to do in our lives is to orient us not around just the concept of stopping doing bad things and doing better things, but operating in living water. To get to the place where we know that living water is, is the catalyst living water is what we're releasing so that whether we're giving somebody a hamburger whether we're shoveling somebody's driveway whether we're helping out at the church whether we're coming here and cooking a meal for the poor whatever it is that what we're doing is not alleviating guilt but ministering living water that's what we're trying to do but it gets very fuzzy (laughs) right It gets very murky in that world because there's no obvious objective evidence that living water is being ministered. So the the effect of that is you have organizations, you know, who shall remain nameless, that started as, you know, really fountains, cascading life of God, ministry to the inner city, to the poor, the broken, and the down and out Who no longer minister any water at all, but still go through the motions of doing the good things. Except no more living water. Would we know, if we were part of that, that that's what we were doing? And that's the issue. How can I give a sandwich and know that it's being led by the Spirit of God? How do I know that I'm actually advancing the kingdom? Well... (laughs) <laughs> That's the big question entirely. How do you know? How do you know? How can you know? Is it even possible? What a, how are we going to get to the place where we're free from these chains of guilt and shame and don't mistake self-compensating works for good works? How does that happen? Very, very gradually. <laughs> now, Jesus, with his own disciples... I'll have to cut it short with this. Jesus, with his own disciples, he tested them on a regular basis. And we have that great moment in Matthew 16 where he says, you know, uh, who do men say that I am? And that I I talked about last week. Peter said, I think I talked about it last week. Uh, Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, that's it right there. That's living water. That's stuff from above. That didn't come from you. That didn't come from your psyche. That didn't come from, from your analytical abilities to realize that, you know, my identity. That was revelation. Well, how did Jesus know it was revelation and not just good information? Because he says, or in another place, he said, the words I speak to are spirit and they are life. Yeah. In other words, what I'm best at, everybody, this is what tickers do best. <laughs> Jesus said this is what I do best. I know the difference between good works and living water. I know the difference between spirit and life and correct answers. Because everything I do revolves around spirit and life. Because that what that's what this kingdom is about. That's why the Father is looking for those who worship him in spirit and in truth. It's not just a great idea, it is the bottom you know the rock bottom aspects of what it means to advance the kingdom operating in spirit and life so so he, he rejoices in, in this, this moment because everything he's done up to this moment has been spirit and life so here's, here's what we're after God is saying to all of us I want you to do the same I don't want you to just do things that are biblically, uh, you know, accurately, theologically correct. The Bible says, you know, do good to those who uh, hate you or curse you, right? Oh, I should do that. And you should do that. But here's the thing. Along the way, the Lord's going to start evaluating and dividing between the things that look good and aren't good that initially you thought were good in order to wean you off dead works, the Bible says. Works which appear to be good but actually have no living water in them. That's a great thing because it, it, it creates disciples that know how to bring the kingdom of God and not just activity that others recognize is beneficial father i just pray right now holy spirit i i I feel like we're we're at this moment where uh, some of you are being shaken some of you are it's like a confusion it's like it's like everything you've done up to this day is now under the gun i mean the lord is looking down his eyes are fixed on your works let me tell you his eyes are always fixed on your work and one day you're going to stand before him and the things that are uh, uh, wood, hay, and stubble are going to disappear because they were dead works. They weren't living works. But you have the opportunity to invite Holy Spirit right now to say, God, make me the kind of disciple that increases the kingdom. is not just busy doing things that others are affirming. Father, make the difference make the distinction even in my discomfort father i pray in jesus name so jesus is bringing his disciples into this thing and he's trying to get them to operate in spirit and in life now he did it effectively but what he what he did was he tested them along the way like he asked them questions this in this other time he he shares with them the, the most impossible theology he starts telling them eat my flesh and drink my blood yeah i know that's not biblical <laughs> you don't have to be a bible scholar to know that's forbidden right? all you need is a you know a few few saturdays at, at, at the at the temple to know that as a jew right <laughs> you know eating people not good whole series of movies are about that i've never seen once that it was good <laughs> eating people bad drinking blood mm, right so jesus is saying these but you have to realize he and, and when his disciples objected and that was the test he wanted to see who objected kind of like this morning every time we start to advance voices start to pick apart the theology of what we're doing and attack and accuse to divide us from the ascent well the he's he's there with the disciples he on purposely said those things obviously he's led by the spirit but he says to them later yeah i said those things because some of you don't believe (laughs) well why don't you just point out their their unbelief no i'm gonna do something that keeps them from being with us what? Where's that in the Bible? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put a roadblock in the in their way that only people of faith can wow. can jump over, wow. and everybody who's walking here for personal benefit, like the food, they're going to get stumbled. That's crazy. They're not going to be able to go ahead. Wow. This happens all the time. This is why you have bad speakers. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is why things are articulated in an imperfect way. You know, part of the reasons people come to church, well, you know, if you would just be more precise with your language, I wouldn't stumble. No, you would still stumble. You would still. The Pharisees, they swallowed a camel whole. You know, you know, choke at a gnat. No, it's not about that. It's about a heart that understands the, the life of the spirit, that when you hear, you hear what's actually being said yeah. and not the third-hand definition of it given by principalities and powers that are bringing hot breath of hate into this room. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And the test is, are you going to keep getting caught up in those webs? Yeah. Right. Or are you going to hear what's being said? To him who has ears, let him hear. Because what I'm doing is I'm perfecting you. I'm perfecting your ability to hear. I'm getting you to hear things that everybody else is, is uh, deaf to. Wow, that's great. Why? So that you also can do what I'm doing. But it was hard. It was hard. The disciples, like all the people are leaving. His 12 guys, they're, they're shaking. And Jesus said, well, would you guys want to leave as well? It's like, ah. Well, where should we go? You have the words of eternal life. Well, that's what I wanted. I wanted you to know that despite how awkward these words are and clearly anti biblical they sounded, but I wasn't saying the anti biblical version of that. I was saying something else. But did you hear it? Could you hear it? Or did you stumble over the language that I purposely used in case you didn't have the right heart? Overcome. He said, listen, I'm looking for overcomers. I'm looking for people who can step over the hurdles that I allow purposely to be there to test your hearts so that you can be like me, ministering words of spirit and life. So, Father, we pray today. Thank you, God, for this journey. Thank you for the training. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that uh, that you are preparing us to minister living water to the nations. Thank you, you, Lord, that you are causing us to discover what things would make us stumble, where we are caught up in theological words and meanings and and, and cause us to disengage from the body, from our brothers and sisters. Thank you, God, that you are preparing us. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Can you say amen? Yes, Galene.
2: I just want to read something in the Bible. (laughs) The disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. And he will be given abundance, but the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. What Mark is saying is actually biblical truth. Some have more, some have less, but then it goes on. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled, saying, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears can hardly hear, and their eyes have been closed, lest they see with their eyes, lest they hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and in turn be healed. So there's that. But when I was down here on the floor, the Lord reminded me of another scripture, and I'm just going to pull it up quick. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, we have one who is able to keep us from this stumbling that has been spoken. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. It is he alone that's able to keep us.
0: Amen. Thanks so much. Let me, let me tell you, this is what's so beautiful about this. I love having a team of people who walk in the Spirit I have Hebrews 5 written down here, and that's not what she read, but in Hebrews 5, the issue of the dullness of believers was coming up, and, and the writer of Hebrews was just challenging, challenging them, saying, listen, you've become dull, and you don't have to be, and, and you're losing out on mysteries because you've become dull. Wow. Wow. Wow, I don't want to be dull. I want to be sharp. (laughs) Come on, my friend. This is Gavin. Gavin's freshly back from
1: Israel, Israel. Yeah. Hey, I just want to, like, I just agree with what's going on here, the living water, the living water. The other night, you know what? There's a homeless shelter here in Spruce Grove, and so the other night there's volunteers that go, and there's ones who carry living water, and there's ones who just go and volunteer, right? And so the darkness was in the place. I mean, you're talking everything. Addictions, suicide, every dark agenda is going on. And what was starting to happen was we were getting pushed around. I'm talking the believers. We were getting pushed around. This homeless shelter is in the church. And there's cursing going on against one another. There's literally cursing going on against the church. And so I did what any sane man would do who believes in the Lord. I went to my truck, and I came back, and I blew the shofar as hard as I could. (laughs) Now, that's a prophetic act. Not done here in a safe place. Not done here in safe people. This is declaring living water and actually changing an environment, changing a place. And literally, I blew the shofar and I said, that's it. It's bedtime. Like I had to because I could actually feel this darkness starting to push us into a corner while we're in a church, in a place that actually living water should flow even greater, should flow even more. And so, Lord, I just say, Lord, it is in us, it is within our hearts, it's within, it's not just the pastors, it's not just the worship leaders, it's the soldiers, it's the soldiers in this place. And so, Lord, we're going to shake that dullness right to the core. And we're going to say, Lord, it is your living water. It is your living water. It is your day. It is for your light to shine in this place. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I say right now, if you have been dull, then there is a place to release living water. In your family, in your neighborhood, in our city, to rise up and take our place and be a light to this nation.
0: In Jesus' name.